where you're going next. Yeah, so um, I've got a sort of long, very long history of uh, work experience, which has, which led me ultimately through various digital roles into working for us two, which is where, where we met. Yes. And um, while well, us two uh, became an agile team coach and uh, did a huge amount of training around um, how to support teams and coaching teams and developing um, creative leadership and, and things like that and resilience work as well. And all of that um, ultimately um, opened my eyes to sort of a world of working in a way, a really honest, open way with people mm. and the coaching style, which I'd sort of always had an inclination towards but never realised I could put a name to it in that mm-hmm. way um, and yeah and uh, left us two last year to set up my own coaching practice so now I coach teams and individuals so I work almost like a life, as a life coach I suppose is the best way to call it but also with teams around team dynamics as well nice and for those that may not know what an agile coach mm. is because I think there's so many terms used from like scrum master to Agile coach, mm. and it varies by organization. What did that mean for you? Yeah, so for me, it was uh, about, um, I was sort of the expert in the agile mindset and mm-hmm. agile sort of principles and practices and the tools and the methodologies. Um, the coaching part of it, and, and agile is a way of delivering software for those that don't know, and, yeah. and uh, but it's a very collaborative, uh, goals-driven way of delivering um, and um, because of that, it brings out a, r- a real sort of opportunity to really coach uh, rather than manage teams. Yeah. So I would work very much as a coach with the teams, un- trying to understand what they wanted to achieve mm-hmm. um, with the product, with the roadmap, what the vision was for the product. So that would be a, a team working with a, in an agency environment with a, with a client and the agency team. And bringing them together as one team as well um, and essentially just um, giving them clarity around what's a really effective efficient and sort of least risky way of delivering product ultimately yeah. but for me my love and my passion was about actually seeing how the teams came together yeah so that real pure coaching side of what I did as well uh, was was a wonderful sort of how you know how to create high performing teams how to create really wonderful open communication and collaboration to mm. the point where you bring everyone together in a way that is you know so seamless that you can walk away at the end of it that should be the ultimate goal for a team coach is to be able to just walk away quietly and no one even notices yep oh my god music to my ears yeah and I guess there there wasn't really much friction when you moved into one-to-one coaching because it's a very similar approach mm. as identifying on outcome and helping people get there without directing or leading them too much into yes. a path that they're not comfortable with or hasn't come from within. Yes, absolutely. And I think the the sort of slight tension for me, I suppose, working in an agency side is that you had a client mm-hmm. and they had obviously lots of business goals that were uh, often financially driven. Yeah. So, so for me, the real art of it was about understanding how to build empathy around that, from not just from me as a coach but from the team working with the client. Mm. Also from the client working with the team and to build this two-way thing where they all could understand they could learn from each other as well. How did you do that? Um, For me, the quickest way, and this ties in really closely to the sort of like my passion point, which is about vulnerability. The quickest way for me to do that is for people to see each other as human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, Versus? 
versus seeing people as a role in an organisation. And I think um, what I found so effective was because I'm quite an open, sort of honest, you know, you know that about me. I I do wear my heart on my sleeve. But I think what that did was uh, combine with other sort of techniques to encourage sort of people to actually get to know each other on a really human level, not just that I'm coming into work and I'm doing a job and I I have a, you know, this is what my role says I can do. It it was about actually really getting people to understand who they were working with, um, what other things they could bring to what they were doing. there's a tool or a, a sort of philosophy called the Jahari window, which yeah. is around how you have these blind areas that other people can see in yourself. Mm-hmm. Also, that you have um, hidden areas that you hide about yourself. Mm-hmm. It might be skills. It might be that actually you go into work and you're a developer, you know, you yeah. code all day. But that actually you really love, um, I don't know, sketching mood boards or something, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. or, or story, whatever it might be. So... That, that just creating a space where people can talk about that, bring that out, right. and really sort of work to everyone's sort of true talents and nature, that for me is the really special point. Mm. And that really helps forge these friendships. I mean, and, and I, I say friendships, that actually was a slip of the tongue. But for me, it creates a space where people can empathise with each other as human beings and ultimately form strong bonds. Yeah. And, and I still have a WhatsApp group with one of my old clients and teams. And, oh, wow. you know, that we From worked the client together. side and agency yeah, side? Yeah, oh, that wow. we worked together three years ago. And we worked together for a long time. And, yeah. and we still have a WhatsApp group where we keep in contact. So, oh, nice. You know, so that it transcended yeah. just going into work and delivering a great product. Right. It became something more. So it's going kind of beyond the job description and mm. seeing people as their, in a non-cliched way, but their whole self yeah. in terms of what... All, all the things they can bring to the table. And the good and the bad? Uh, oh, absolutely. Warts and all. I mean, <laughs> if you can lay everything out, yeah. I think something that's really powerful and often really under, over, underlooked, overlooked, whatever, however yeah. you want to call it, is is that being vulnerable? Because that's actually what makes us humans. Yeah. We are vulnerable. We're vulnerable as a human. We're soft, you know, we break, you know, yeah. we, we are emotionally vulnerable and, and to pretend otherwise for me seems strange. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, and we do that we, it, to protect ourselves, mm-hmm. to, to pretend we're not like that. Um, and actually, um, I've forgotten your question now, but... The good um, and the bad. So bringing yeah, it Yeah, so the, the good and the bad is about being open. So if you're having a bad day, so often people don't say, oh, awful an argument with my partner last night or whatever it might be or I slept badly because actually what what often manifests is that people communicate in way more than just verbal communication and so you can get into a place where you you don't understand what's going on with a colleague because they're having a really crappy time outside of work maybe and and if you can share that Mm. also with team dynamics one of the really powerful things is encouraging a safe place of conflict. Yeah. If everyone stays in a place where they're not being honest and open and, and, and saying what they really think, then teams will never move into a high-performing state. If yeah. you look at the Tupman model of teams, yes. the, the forming, um, storming, storming norming. norming, performing model, um, the storming part of that is about creating space based for conflict and then helping people to understand how to resolve the conflict and that's mess that can be really messy yes 
it's funny you mentioned that that's been a hot topic of my week and I've been sending the Tuckman's model around mm. with some of the um, project managers or managers because what I've noticed I, I'm not sure if I'm sure this is present in all organizations but when you start seeing the conflict people get very uncomfortable mm. uh, it's labeled as oh there's a problem with that yeah. team or a problem with that individual and what they unintentionally do is move them back into forming yes which means like you said they never get into high performing because they just jump right back into staying comfortable Mm -hmm. and not rocking the boat but what i've been trying to kind of reiterate this week and yeah this is a very timely conversation Mm -hmm. is that actually let's say for me unless the team's actually dysfunctional and and a manager should know Mm -hmm. that um it's great that individuals feel comfortable enough to voice their concerns and for me that's a sign of passion and care mm-hmm. and frustration yeah. not you know trying to derail anything they're so involved mm-hmm. and they're frustrated and that's causing conflict and they feel comfortable to voice that conflict into the team instead of going out and drinking beers and yeah. you know bitching about the organization yeah. They're bringing it to work because they want to find yeah. a resolution. And the organization's job is to move them through and get them over that line. Absolutely. And and you know what? I have even had teams where it felt like that was impossible yeah. and managed to maybe not get them to performing, <laughs> but at least get them out of that deep conflict. Because conflict comes from people having their own agendas. Yeah. It comes from having unspoken agendas. Mm. It comes from people completely misunderstanding each other and, and, and not bringing an empathetic eye to to what's going on yeah. and and you're never going to move into a space where you have really really wonderful open pure collaboration which is the most i mean i love that that's the most exciting How place you can be. get to yeah. unless people really understand each other and yeah. understand that and and as i said the role of a good team coach is to be able to ultimately walk away you're never going to be able to leave a team easily in that state um mm. and actually one of our roles is to help almost bring them into conflict in order to move through that yeah exactly um get people comfortable yeah but not to fix it no and that's something i you know to be very careful about um is as a coach to make sure you're empowering those individuals or the teams to work out their own resolutions to their own problems as well unless you can see something really clearly that will help yeah you know that's let's just switch the light on yeah and the more you can do that yeah. And the more, and, and this all comes back again to being human. All those emotions you talked about, like passion and frustration and all of yeah. those, it's like, you know, give people a space to air those in a safe way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of feedback models you can use to support that as well if something's mm-hmm. really challenging. Um, you know, and people have to feel comfortable to go along with it. And that can be a real tough stretch. And I don't think it's impossible, though, to bring everyone on the journey. No. Um, and it takes, and it does take some role modelling, I think, for... Uh, and that's something I'm really passionate about, is really role modelling that with, mm. with teams as well, that it's okay to be honest about how you're feeling. It's okay to be vulnerable. Because mm-hmm. all of that helps. It all speeds this up mm. as well. It speeds up that process. And then, you, and then, you know, once they can understand how to resolve their own conflicts in the team, it doesn't mean they'll stop having conflict. Yeah. It just means that they understand that actually this is a, a problem that can be solved. Exactly. It's not the end of the world yeah. and like, oh, we're fighting, so we need to leave or break up. Yeah. Yes. yes. So you've uh, recently written your first article. Yes. On Medium, uh, on the subject Actually, of... Actually, on LinkedIn. On, on yeah, LinkedIn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on the subject of 
vulnerability. Mm. So mm. how how was that experience for you? Yeah. Well, it was interesting because I talk a lot about role modeling and I and I feel like it's a sort of uh, something I hold very dearly and, and particularly role modeling all of these behaviors that I've yeah. just talked about. And um, I start when I started my own practice last year, I realized that a really effective way of putting yourself out there as a, as a, a you know an individual working in any industry is mm-hmm. to give people an insight into sort of more than just a list of like what you do and, and, and you know what skills you have but to actually give people an insight into who you are and what the most the, the easiest way to reach people is to write about yourself yes in fact I found my own coach because he wrote a really uh, interesting article that someone shared with me on LinkedIn and and, and now I've been working with him for, you know, at least six months. So um, I so I'd had this in the back of my mind for a long, long time that I needed to start writing. And I just had this app. It put me into blind panic just thinking about it. and, And I had this absolute moment of clarity, though, the other week when I realised, well, it's because I'm scared of putting myself in a vulnerable place. Yeah. Because why, Do you know why? Well, I because mean, just... there's a lot of um, sort of fear around um, putting out your opinion into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, my opinion. I have when, a lot of... Ones in, yeah. Because yeah. Um, I don't want to be judged. Yeah. I'm starting out with my own with my own business. I don't want someone to judge me and, and for them to sort of read something I've written and actually it becomes something that, that makes them not want to work with me. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those yes. things. You know, yeah. From a business point, but also just as a really human yeah. sort of reaction. Yeah. You know, just actually just putting myself out there is, was quite a big step. And actually the, the title of the article was, uh, this is an article about how terrifying it was to write this article. <laughs> um, and So how did you come through that fear what did you have to say to yourself to get past that because a lot of us stay in that negative space yeah I had a few conversations with my coach yeah for one but also I I had a bit of an inner monologue where I thought actually if I'm gonna put something out that needs to be about something I really care about Mm -hmm. and actually if people don't if it doesn't resonate with people then it it doesn't, but it it might deeply resonate with some other people. If I really care about it, this isn't about me selling myself. Yeah. This is about me just putting something out there. So that was really important. So just, shifting the outcome. Yes, the outcome was about, um, yeah, not about, yeah, it, it, selling. Because as soon as you say, I'm going to sell myself, yeah. it, I mean, that just, it doesn't sit with me at all well. Yeah. So I was like, well, what's interesting for people? Well, it, what's interesting always, and actually through all the people I coach pretty much unanimously, is that it's that sort of feeling of imposter syndrome or a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. And that's all I was suffering from. Mm-hmm. That's imposter syndrome and a lack of confidence. And I work with everyone I work with. I talk about what are the barriers that are holding you back? What are the beliefs you have about yourself that are mm-hmm. holding you back mm-hmm. from putting yourself, moving yourself forward? And um, and I realised all of these were the beliefs that I was holding about myself and yeah. whether people would be interested or my belief that people wouldn't be interested in what I had to say. Or yes. that it's already been said a hundred times, so why would I put it out there? Again? Yeah. You know, yeah. so those sorts of uh, thoughts. So actually, when I almost coached myself through those thoughts, I, I realised that the only way of extending my comfort was to just do it. And that's if I was coaching someone else, this is exactly how I would work with them. So, and how did it feel when you press publish? 
terrifying. <laughs> I literally, I, I wrote in the article that I actually felt a bit nauseous. Yeah. But then I started getting a response. Uh, not just people viewing it, but actually people writing to me and going, I really like this article and it really resonated with me. And actually, as soon as I got that response, I felt great about yeah. it because yeah. I realised that I was sort of actually practising what I'm preaching yeah. in the article. And and the article is exactly telling that story of what I just said, mm -hmm. you know. I, I had some professional photos taken. I barely slept the night before because I was so terrified of having my photo taken and because I'm, I always pull a silly face. Yeah, it's one of the worst experiences yeah. ever. And I found an amazing photographer. She was wonderful. She made me feel really relaxed. So she did get some great photos. Yeah. And so there was, you know, and just doing that and just going through that was really powerful for me. Mm. And the fact that people, a few people said, I want to hear more from you. Mm. I mean, how what a wonderful response yeah. to something that I that filled me with fear, mm. you know, and so, yeah, it was interesting. So you're writing another one? Not the moment, but um, I'm, I was actually interested to see what came out of this conversation to see if there was something I could uh, that was a thread of something. I, I feel like there's something for me about role models and yeah. role modeling and, and where that sits. Yeah, so okay. it sounds like because um, we all have imposter syndrome I mm. think you know everyone's running around thinking they don't they're going to be found out yes when actually everybody's running around having no clue what they're doing and we're just all you know making it up as we go along and mm. I think as soon as you can accept that yeah you can move forward but imposter syndrome reaches even the most confident looking oh. and sounding people absolutely yes and, I'm just answering some questions actually for someone who wanted to publish some information about me and one of the questions was what was the what would be the advice you would give yourself when you were starting out now. And actually, I wrote exactly that pretty much, which was, not it ne don't ever believe that everyone else is more confident and capable than you are. Yeah, where everyone has their own internal yeah. battles. Yeah, however confident and yeah. capable they seem. Yeah. But we often don't, uh, we don't talk about it. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's more and more um, literature and talks on, you know, dealing with this kind of inner dialogue, mm. uh, negative talk from the likes of uh, Susan Cain, Quiet. I think that was eye-opening. And then obviously um, it, the imposter syndrome. I can't remember who wrote that, but there's a whole, mm. you know, it, it actually put imposter syndrome on a map. Yeah. Um, and people were like, oh, that's what that is. I get, I get that. Yeah. Um, and I think it sounds like from your experience that the best how you got through that was to one identify what it was that you really wanted to get mm. out of it. Yes. Instead of what you all these other would have been good outcomes like you maybe you'll get new business or but actually it's yeah. about being honest and talking about my story to touch someone else. Yeah. And that's a very, you know, feel good, tangible outcome then regardless of any ROI attached oh, to it. Absolutely. And then the other thing was just doing it. Yeah. And stepping into the fear and... Oh, and, and literally just doing it. And yeah. it fascinated me. I actually went last week to this spoken word uh, event down the road from where I live, where my friend was doing a, a piece there. 
And they asked everyone to write a limerick and stand up and perform it. And, and I just felt good. I felt so fearful. And, you know, they gave you a name of someone in the room and they gave you a, something, a Cards Against Humanity card. Yeah. And before I would have just not done that before. But part of me was like, well, everyone's going to get up. I'd rather be one of the people who gets up than one of the people who's, few people who's left sat down. Yeah. Actually, what happened, of course, was that only a third of the people got up. But I got up and I read this limerick that yeah. I'd just written on stage in front of 50 people. And... I doubt very much that I would have done that if I hadn't have written that article mm-hmm. a few weeks before. Yeah. So it's like a butterfly effect it because is. You, you make those small steps and then other things will just start opening up. And it yeah. is tiny, tiny steps you, and that's, you can and take. I think, you know, I was talking to some managers who are setting goals for people and we touched upon the word ambition. So mm. if you look at the SMART framework, A is ambitious, um, a lot around tech goals around ambitious and growth and stretch Mm. but to be mindful not to judge what ambition means to the people in your team and that for example if someone's starting a new habit right and putting themselves out there Mm. and being vulnerable Mm. an ambitious goal for them might be you know buying a book that they wouldn't have bought last week or showing I, i have this like thing with a friend of mine where she's trying to create a habit of Uh, going to the gym and at the start it was just go to the gym Mm. right like you don't have to do anything when you get there but going is an act in the right direction and when so being really mindful with that like I think sometimes we can push inadvertently push people Mm. away from stretching themselves because our version of ambition Mm. is actually unachievable for them and then it's like oh well I'm useless and what's the point and look at all these signs around me that are showing me that I shouldn't do this. Yeah. Um, but actually, the smallest step can yeah. be really the biggest. And oh, celebrating and that, that. And that. Yeah, and that. Oh, and that's really important. The celebrating. Mm-hmm. And actually, that goes. That, that actually loops back amazingly well to the team work. And actually, something that's yeah. so important with what we do with agile teams is to deliver really quickly and often and celebrate that. Yeah. Celebrate our successes as well. Yeah. Because you have achieved something. It doesn't matter if it's not a huge, like, big launch of some app or yeah. product or whatever it might yeah. be. Everyone's achieved something, and people need that recognition. Mm-hmm. And I think as soon as you encourage and support that, then it becomes a much, much. And you find actually, I found people do more if they're encouraged and supported rather than, you know, if you can't try and take away a bit of the fear yeah. for them. Yeah. Not by doing it for them, no. but by giving the support and encouragement and by role modeling that it's. Is scary. Everyone gets scared. People that don't seem like they're scared are probably still scared. Freaking scared. I mean, I stood yeah. up and did this limerick yeah. on stage. And my friends who were watching me said, oh, you seem like you weren't worried at all doing yeah. that. You seem yeah. really relaxed. I wasn't in the slightest. And and it's really eye-opening when you when you see that. Mm. Um, I had another thought that came to me, and I've lost it now. But I'll come back to it. Right. Um, but, yeah. But I think fear is a... a something that is never going to support anyone a bit of um feeling excited yeah and a little bit you can get a little bit of anxiety that comes with yeah. that but i think channeling something into where you feel ex- an excited sort of you know that me writing that article it was exciting yeah it was all more exciting than terrifying right if it had been too too terrifying i probably wouldn't have done it right does that make sense yeah yeah yeah, and I think uh, for me, I've had to accept that fear is never going to go away. Mm. Um, there's a great quote uh, from Jim, Ginny Romiti, who's the, I think, managing director of IBM. And mm. if that's wrong, I will correct it in the notes. Um, 
And she says that fear and growth do not coexist. Mm. What she means by that is we're not going to grow if we don't have fear, right? You can't stay the same. Yeah. And, um, or no, sorry, you can't change and expect things to be different if you don't change. And by changing that whole, um, you know, trying something new, going into the unknown, Mm. brings up these feelings of fear, vulnerability, et cetera. And that I often say to my clients, like, if you feel those feelings of fear, Mm. which is the same for everybody, Mm. you know, butterflies in Mm. your stomach, sweaty palms, not being able to sleep, whatever, whatever, Mm. then you're doing the right thing. Mm. Because that means you're growing. And often we'll run away from those feelings and go into our comfort zone. Yes, I think there's something to be checked in with that though as well around the because you've got your comfort zone. Yeah. You, but then and then you've got your stretch zone. Yes. Which sits around your comfort zone. I like that. You expand your comfort zone into your stretch zone, and then your stretch zone will expand as yes. well. It's really yeah. important oh, to I like stretch that into that yeah. a lot. But outside of that is in a panic zone. Yeah. And it can be quite unhealthy to keep going into the panic zone. Yes. Because the problem with panic is. When you go in, there's a, an excited adrenaline that you get. Like anyone who's done any sort of presenting or facilitating or anything like that. When you do, like, or just doing something as simple as, like you said, of just doing something new. Yeah. You'll, you will get those physical feelings. The important thing is to not push yourself to the point where your um, amygdala hijacks your brain yeah. and you end up in fight or flight. Yes. Because then you can you lose all... Well, as soon as that happens, neurologically, your body stops functioning that well and prepares itself for mm. getting the hell out of so the situation. So it's like it has a, a high cortisol stress reaction. Yeah, yes. and, and the, the, the problem with that is that really is a panic. Yeah. And that's when you can't... You lose empathy. Yeah. For people, you lose uh, an ability to make creative decisions as yeah. well. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's not healthy to be in a state like no. that a lot no. either. No. So so I think just, I think, and this is where like it's growing an uh, emotional intelligence is super mm. helpful because it, you can then understand whether you're in that state where actually someone on my coaching calls actually said you apparently you can lose 20 of your IQ points if you're in that state in panic state yeah oh so wow. putting people in that state all yeah. the time is not ever going to be helpful for anyone no um but yeah to so so being but being aware physically and emotionally aware enough of, yeah. of how what triggers that what how you bring yourself back from it what is a comfortable state of stretch? Mm-hmm. I think those are actually really important mm. things to be aware of as well. Could because you? I completely agree with you. I think to stretch is really important, otherwise you don't grow. No. I think that would be a really great next post. Mm. Yeah. Because I think that's awareness that mm. both individuals need about themselves and managers could use about yeah. how to build others. Because I have seen this kind of like, well... They, ha- they show potential, mm. so we're going to throw them into um, a situation which mm. they'll manage because mm. they're high performers, but the tax that on their personal tax yeah. to survive that because the organization or team hasn't given them the right support, so they're just really thrown in and gone, you're great, mm. you can handle this, go for it, and they do handle it, but inside... You know, they're what's you know, it's not they're in that panic state, and that's yeah. not not good. You don't want to do that again. And there's something there that for me is really important. It's mm-hmm. about who's making the decision for someone to do that. 
Mm. And are they accountable for that? Mm. I think you're more likely to put yourself in a stretch place if you've decided that's helpful for you. I think if someone else has made that decision for you, it can be more challenging, even if it's something you would have naturally come to as well anyway. I think it can be really... uh, more way more challenging because you you've lost your accountability in that moment as well very true yeah Um, you're out of control which is just not a good yeah and you've not had the input into what actually is the sort of right goal for you Mm -hmm. um and i understand in businesses it's 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 really important you know to to sort of have some view of where you know there's a sort of career progression and, Mm -hmm. and to support people on that but um i feel like if we create environments whereby it's there's a huge amount of input from the, the person who's actually doing that as well. I think I feel like that would be a sort of more of a growth opportunity. Yeah. So it's a two-way conversation. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it comes back for me, there's something really, really important here around role modelling and, and, and the sort of leadership that we have as well, mm-hmm. management and leadership. And I know that's a real passion point for you around sort of supporting leadership. And I think that there is... Um, it, we've have inherently a what people generally understand as leadership is someone being very vocal, who's very sort of you know controlling almost maybe. Mm-hmm. And there's many different other forms of leadership, and I feel like that as a leader often inspires. There's a time and a place for sure, and if you have someone who's visionary and who's really mm-hmm. leading people in that in that that moment, um, then I think that's really important. But equally, if you you need to inspire um, inspire people yeah. and not create fear, no, because otherwise, as soon as you create fear, you end up in a space where it's really you know not healthy for yeah. anyone. No, our definition is that you inspire and enable teams to succeed to yeah. get the outcome done, and if that. That means and and specifically and consciously allows for the flexibility mm. of that coming from a diff- very different leadership styles. Yeah. Because in some cases, you might need a more command and control leader. Mm. In other cases, it's a facilitative, supportive leader. Yeah. But there, the outcome is the same, that mm. you have to get your team there by inspiring and enabling them and making them feel mm. confident that they can get the work done, yeah. not that you're doing the work exactly. for them. Yeah, or, or giving them um, you know, goals that they don't even goals, know how yeah. to achieve. And that, for me, was you know working with agile teams. Compared to my past history as a project manager, working mm. in waterfall projects, where essentially I was managing the output of other people, and it never yeah. felt right. No, you want to feel like you own it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, tying it all back to vulnerability, Mm. I I think everything that we've touched upon, going from ownership to uh, understanding and living in in, or uh, embracing fear, um, emotional intelligence, all of those things are what create a space that Mm. allows someone to be vulnerable. Yes. And without that stuff, it's it's impossible. And. If you look at the there's the, the Google research that was done around what yeah. creates the most effective teams. Yeah. Um, and they were so surprised when they found out the results and that the number one and it, it became it was nothing in the end to do with the roles, yeah. the, the no. skills that the people no. had. It was yeah. all about does everyone understand what they're working towards and, yeah. and how they're gonna do it? But the main 
the most important one was that people felt psychologically safe. Yeah. I mean, for me, that, I mean, it just, it almost gives me goosebumps when I even think about that. It's so powerful that, and for me, that is because you create this, exactly like you said, these safe spaces. When you create these safe spaces, people flourish. Yeah. People can be themselves. Yeah. And that, for me, is the most important thing. If you create a space where someone can truly be themselves, they're going to do work that they are bringing everything to they're giving it passion Mm. and they will bring something extra that maybe might not have been expected of them and that can only be good yeah it can only be good oh that's fantastic i'm i think we're gonna close on that note because i don't know how we can top (laughs) (laughs) that but uh thank you so much kate for um being here and giving your time as a closer is there any um reading or uh, resource that you would recommend to someone who would like to dig a little bit more into this topic? Mm. Well, if you want to talk about vulnerability, then Brené Brown is like the queen of vulnerability. In terms of the sort of models we've talked about with high-performing teams Mm. and and things like that, I think there's there's many different sources. I think the... um, the Tuckman model for me is it's just a really powerful tool. It is. So um, simple, but so yeah, powerful. Like oh exactly. you can know what stage yeah. they're in and yeah. yeah. Okay, I will link to those. Yeah. Um but uh, and also this the Google's uh research yes. around, um I think there was an article um on the Google uh blog about it, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think I have that saved on my Evernote yeah. somewhere. Yes, yeah. Uh perfect. Well thank you so much for being an overtime guest and I hope to have you on again thank you. in the future. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much.